0: Father, we thank you. You are awesome. We thank you that we can celebrate you. Lord, that you're a God who loves to connect with us, that you love to connect with your people. And Lord, you did, some, uh, you did some way out things when you were here, Jesus, on earth. And we thank you that we can follow in your footsteps, that, Lord, life is, life is not predictable with you, but it's exciting. That it's full of challenges. It's full of situations, but Lord, it's still great life. And we just pray that this morning you will challenge us, you will grow us, you will make us more like Jesus. Father, we pray for those who can't be with us, who aren't well. Lord, we pray now your healing hand upon them in Jesus' name. That anyone, Lord, as part of this fellowship who is sick, Lord, we speak healing into their life now in the name of Jesus, that they'll be made whole. We want to bless you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. We continue our series this week of Who Am I? Last week, uh, Dale was talking about our connection with God and and knowing who God is, and therefore we know who we are. And as I um, contemplated, and I'll be honest with you, I was contemplating this morning at five o'clock because that's when I got to it because Dale was going to preach and then it didn't happen and things happened and I've been to two conferences this week already and so it was five o'clock this morning doing a sermon. So I sat down and, and one of the things they say when you, when you write a book is, um, often, I don't know if you've tried writing a book, but when you sit down to write, you sort of think, where do I start? And the advice they give you is just start writing, even if you put blah, 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 blah across the screen. And I was sitting there, and I was praying, and I thought, God, what do you want me to say today? And he said, just start writing. I went, okay. So I did. So I started writing, and it's amazing how a sermon just sort of flows through your fingertips onto the screen, which I then went to print, and um, because I'm using a new program on my tablet, it printed 20 copies. So if you want a copy, there's plenty around. I was sort of following Dale, Dale had been printing the camp forms and I thought the printer was still printing those and so I was sitting there happily going away, looked around and there's 20 copies of the sermon just there, so hard copies freely available for anyone who wants them. But I was was reflecting over my week and it's been a really interesting week, I've been over in Brisbane um, for a conference, the conference was of no consequence, literally and every other way, Um, but I got to catch up with my brother who I haven't seen for 14 years um, got to meet some of his children who I've never met. We went out to dinner and um, had a nice time together, which was great. And I went with another guy, and while we were there, he got to caught up with a guy that he hasn't seen for about 18 years, um, that he worked with for, for quite a number of years, and so they got catching up and had a good old time. Yesterday, I was um, here in Perth, and I went to a Christians Against Poverty um, money coaching day. Um, to be a money coach with Christians Against Poverty. And basically, the, that means you're working with people to basically put together a, a simple budget and to change their, their money habits, really. Um, so it's just something that we're looking at as a church and stepping into and how we'd be a part of that. Um, and so I walked into the room, and it was like my life story in the room. Um, I grew up, for those who don't know, in Kalgoorlie, in, in Karoing, on a mission And I walk in, and and there's this couple who were on the mission in the 70s when I was very small. And I said, how are you going? And he sort of looked at me like, do I know you? And I sort of got on my knees and said, is that better? (laughs) And he saw my surname because he knew my parents. And um, so we got chatting, which was really great. Um, And then I met a lady who was a part of um, C3 churches. And we were a part of C3 for a while, doing churches with them. And um, they actually had a church down near us. They were the church next door at the time. And so I got chatting with her and, and it went on. And then I caught up with Glenn Jenkins, who some of you know, and who I contacted to come in to preach for us again. So um, we'll have him in a few weeks' time um, coming and speaking with us. It was fantastic. And Glenn was the first person to take me overseas on a missions trip overseas. Um, you know, And went through Indonesia and through Thailand and different places with him. And so the influence there. And then I... There was the principal of um, the kids' school when they were in primary school for Anna and, Anna and Shara when they were in primary school and so on. Um, was at this conference as well. So it was sort of like this, this journey from the 70s through to now of people that have been somewhere in my life, somewhere. And as I sort of contemplated this and catching up with my brother, that I thought that about who we are and that who we are is shaped by the people in our lives, that some of these people had different levels of influence in my life, and that we're influenced and we're impacted, both good and bad, by these people. And as I thought about it, I thought, it's really important who we have in our lives. And that we need to be careful who is in our lives. Because people around us don't make us totally who we are. And they're also not the excuse for who we are. But they do help to shape who we are. You know, I can remember my volatile teen years as they're supposed to be. I don't remember being very volatile. (laughs) But at that time, the church I was in, um, we had a pastor come and join the church. He was a, a single guy at the time and actually met his wife through my family, which was really interesting. But he had a big influence on my life at the time. And he was in that church for five or six years, but they were the years through my late teens and through my late high school and leaving high school. And, and he, because he was a single guy, and he had the man at sixth order of the church, and being a country town, you know, everyone knew where you were all the time. Um, and so they, the logic was the guy was single, so therefore he's free to drop in on any time. He's got no family, so we can go and see this guy any we like and interrupt him anytime we like. You know, don't worry about he's pastoring a church of over 100 people and has a busy life. So my parents gave this guy a key to our house and said, look, no one's here usually today very much. Come over. You know, As a, as a place to get away for him to prepare his sermons and to be able to do what he needs to do. And so I'd often come home from school, and he would be there in our house, and um, I'd go and play squash with him a couple of times a week, and um, went on holidays with him a couple of times, and things like this. And he really mentored me through that period. And I remember talking to him years later, and he said he used to go into a church, um, this was easy before he was married, but um, he would go in and say, God, give me a couple of people here that I can just put into. Show me where you want me to make a difference. And so part of that was he put into me and helped to shape me and make me who I am. No one's an island, is what I realized. You can't help but be influenced by the people around you. So as I contemplated this, I pulled out my concordance and flicked through and realized that the Bible is full of comments, of quotes, of... Um, illustrations and so on of the influence of people around you. I mean, obviously, the ultimate one is, is Jesus with the disciples. You know, for three years, he took this ragtag bunch who, in some cases, opposed each other, wouldn't have had anything to do with each other. I always say that about churches churches is a place where you always find people who otherwise wouldn't have anything to do with each other. Think about it with different backgrounds, different, you know, we're just different, yeah? And yet, here we are with one common. Thing. And Jesus is the same. He took this group and, and put them together. And today I want to talk from Proverbs chapter 13. It says, become wise by walking with the wise. This is what the disciples did. They became wise because they walked with Jesus, who is wise. The rest of the verse says, though, hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? You've either got one or the other. Hang out with people who are wise, and you become wise. Hang out with fools, and your life falls apart. Who you hang out with determines who you are. I'm trying not to skip through my notes too fast, but it's going to happen anyway. This could be a really short sermon, or we could end up going anywhere. Yeah, love it when there's just a God presence and you sit there going, Okay, when you read my notes, my notes are really quite negative. As I read back through them now, I'm going, really taking the negative slant. Maybe it's the half past five coffee, I don't know. <laughs> Never like doing a sermon on a Sunday morning writing out. But it does, it has, if you read through notes, it does take that negative slant. So connect leaders, take that into consideration when you read them. And take that positive. But I guess the Bible talks so much about the power of being around negative people. You know, I can remember um, going to, into a room and there were a thousand people in this room. And I knew there was this one guy who was sort of a part of the group that were, were at this, this place. And he was one of these negative guys. You know, He's so negative he could change the, the magnetic, magnetic poles of a battery. You know? He's that sort of guy. He would drain the charge out of a battery. This guy could be so negative. And he walked in the room, and literally within three minutes, he had around him three other people who were all the same. This room of a thousand, they did not know each other, but I knew the people he was talking with, and they were all the same. They were all the negative. If they could find something wrong, they would tell you what it was. And it took them three minutes in this room of 1,000 people to find each other. Because misery loves company, doesn't it? And if you hang around with miserable people, that's what your life becomes. It's true. I mean, the guy I travelled over to um, to Brisbane with, he has this saying which irritates me. He's one of my staff, and and he he, what is he writes he writes training programs, and I get him to if I get a program when he'd written for for my work when I do a Baptist care. If I need a training program written, I'll often get him to do it because he's very good at them. And he'll write this program, puts this stuff together, and he'll often hand me the draft and say, have a look through this, tell me what you think, I'm on the right track, and I'm not emotionally attached to it. So you And when he first joined us, he said that all the time. Look, I'm not emotionally attached to it, and I said, yes, you are. And he said, no, I'm not. I said, you are. I know you are, one, because you keep telling me you're not. And two, this is your work. This is your passion. You get passionate about writing this stuff. You enjoy it. You have an emotional attachment because it's a part of you in there. And so every time he'd say it, and he, he stopped saying it to me, but someone else would come over and he'd do a program for them, and, and he'd say, I'm not emotionally attached to it. And I'd go, yes, you are. Because <laughs> he sits next to me. And so I got to the point where he'd be about to say it, and he'd just look at me. I was chatting to someone the other day, and I said, I'm not emotionally attached to, oh, no! <laughs> because I've been around this guy for, for 18 months, and it rubs off on you. I've got a director who uses, he talks about training, he says, we don't want to do chalk and talk. I mean, no one uses chalk anymore. That shows how old he is, you know. But he says, we're training, we don't want to do chalk and talk. And it's one, thing, it, it just grates on me every time he says it. You know, the other thing he says is, you know, let's tic-tac over this. What's a breath mint got to do with it? <laughs> and I've said both of those things in the last three months. And then you find yourself saying it, even though I don't want to, even though I think they're ridiculous sayings and they annoy me, I said them because these people are around me every day at work. And the people you're around, whether you want them to or not, influence you. Just like these three ridiculous sayings influence me. So now I go around saying things around them all the time, so they start saying them. All right? Because you can't help but be influenced by the people in your world, they make you who you are. That's why Proverbs says, You become wise by walking with the wise. But if you hang out with fools, you become a fool yourself and your life falls to pieces. The Bible talks about a guy named Eli. This is back in the days of Samuel. And Eli has a couple of sons. Eli is the high priest. So he's the, he's the head honcho when it comes to the church in Israel at the time, for want of a better term. And uh, Eli's, Eli loves God and serves God faithfully. He up some, raises up Samuel um, as a prophet. But Eli's two sons, while they are set to inherit the priesthood from their father, and they become priests because it was a, a, an ancestral thing, but they didn't love God as much. And so they used to go along to the sacrifice. And what, people would bring the sacrifices, and they burn the sacrifice. And there was a point in the sacrifice... Where the priest would then get whatever was left from the sacrifice they hadn't burnt up. And that would become part of their food. But Eli's sons would come along with the sacrifice, and before it was all burnt, you know, they'd wait till it was just a nice, you know, mediumly done, beautiful bit of, bit of cooked meat there. And then they'd get their big barbecue forks and stick it in and pull out the choice bits of meat before it got burnt. And they'd take these back and, you know, dinner that night, they'd carve up the roast. Now, Eli wasn't happy with this because they were essentially stealing from the sacrifice. It's like, you know, someone walking up to the offering bucket and pulling out a couple hundred dollar notes. That's the equivalent. So Eli gets back that night and, you know, sits down with his sons and and he says, you know, you guys really shouldn't be, you know, doing this You know, you really shouldn't be cutting up the meat. And he's disciplining his sins while he's stuffing his face with the very meat that they've taken. How do you get to that point? He's hanging out with the wrong people. You can't sit there and say to someone, I don't like what you're doing, while you're doing it with them. It's really important who you hang out with, because even if you don't agree, if you're in a situation where things are wrong, you are condoning what they're doing. Think about that. That's what Eli was doing. You want to live your best life, you've got to choose who you hang around with and where you hang around with them. So let me give you a couple of points. First of all, choose who you're with and where you are with them. I worked out in high school, I didn't have to go to a drunken party to be with my friends. That there were plenty of other times to hang out with them. You see, we we have this strange thing as Christians. We're told to be in the world, but not a part of the world. That's really hard to do. Where's the line? You know, do do I, Go that way or do I go this way? Sometimes it's really hard to know. You know, we're told to be the salt and light of the world and to to reach out to the unsaved, and then we're told elsewhere to not be corrupted by them by being around them. Is the Bible confused? No, it's not. What he's saying is to be a part of the world but not not in the world. And Jesus is a great example of this. You know, Jesus was accused because he hung out with prostitutes and sinners. He hung out with, you know, tax people. He ran out of people who drank wine, who got drunk. But you notice how when Jesus hung out with the prostitutes, he didn't hang out at the brothel? He hung out where it was safe. And that's the key. You want to hang out with your friends who like to get drunk, then probably the party is not the place to do it. If they're really that important to you, go and have a coffee. Go out for a meal. Go and build a snowman. You'll never look at carrots the same after you see that movie. <laughs> Yesterday down at the spud shed last night with the kids, picking up some fruit and veggies, and Isaac goes along and they grabbing the, the carrots off and going, Olaf noses <laughs> and talking about what a Bill Snowman, this lady walks by and goes, It's not Christmas. <laughs> you haven't seen the movie. <laughs> but choose where you hang out with people. You don't have to go into the depths of sin to be around a sinner. Yes, we are called to be the salt and light. We have a job to reach out and to change people's lives around us, but you need to pick where you're going to make your influence. And I've some people say to me, I can handle it. You know what? You can't. You know how I know? Because you aren't. You see, when you're in situations where there is sin all around and you're not standing up for righteousness, what you are saying is, I agree. I was a teenager once in the gold fields. I've seen it. And you've got to make that choice. Does that mean you never go to a pub? Well, that's your call. You see, you've got to work out what's right for you. And what's right for you may not be right for the person next to you. You know, I know guys who, I mean, you want to take the guy who started YWAM. The guy actually moved in Amsterdam right into the streets where all the prostitutes worked. It's where they lived. And he got a house in the middle of that street with his family. And he was called into that situation. But let me tell you, that guy is unique. Not everybody's called to go and live with the prostitutes. Not everybody's called to go and live at the pub know your calling know your strengths know your weaknesses and don't put yourself in compromising situations because you become like those around you you see what happens is when you're around sin all the time when you have sin around you in other people and you and you sort of say oh, I'm here to be a witness but you're not really you just don't want to be rejected and you're hanging out with people in that situation what happens is it starts to lower your standards And what was not all right before suddenly becomes all right. And the way you justify it is, I can do this because I'm not as bad as them. And you see in the Christian church, you know, it's become all right to get into heavy petting, as they call it, because we're not actually having sex. It even got to the point where oral sex was all right because it wasn't real sex. How do we get to this point? We get to it because we condone and we put up with levels, and our standards go down and down and down, and we lose our holiness. You know, I've been in Christian circles where it's okay to get tipsy because I'm not really drunk. Sorry. It's okay to smoke cigars because they're not cigarettes. I've had youth pastors say, well, yeah, they'll make out and guys will fill up girls because that's what young guys do. And I just want to slap (laughs) them. As a youth worker for 14 years, I really want to slap them. Because when you lower the standards and keep lowering the standards, you see, I've worked out as a leader, if that's my standard, then I find that people that follow me and are part of my ministry, that's their standard. Because it's called the law of leadership. If that's my capacity, then I don't usually attract people who are above that. It's the same for your life. And if we as a church are saying, this is okay, then the world is not going to say, oh, let's be that. They're going to say, let's be this. And so if we keep lowering our standards to meet the world, where are we going to end up? You keep going down, the only way down is hell. It gets to the point where you can't tell the church apart from the rest of the world. Because we're trying to be a part of the world. And we lose our power. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You know, the the church gets here and and we're told that that doing supernatural things like, you know, praying in tongues or praying for healing or prophesying, that they make us look weird. And we don't want to be weird. We want the world to think we're wonderful. So let's stop doing those things. Let's make church into a rock concert instead. And then what does the world do? It looks at us and goes, why should I go to church? I can go to the nightclub. At least they got some spirits. <laughs> the church is not supposed to look like the world. We've got to stop trying to look like the world. And you as a Christian are not supposed to look like the person next to you. Otherwise, why would they want Jesus if you look exactly the same? We're supposed to stand out. A light stands out in darkness. A light doesn't look like darkness, does it? Otherwise, what's the point of the light? The salt brings out flavor, doesn't it? The salt preserves. If the salt was the same as the materials being put on, what's the point of the salt? We're supposed to be different. In fact, the Bible says you're a weirdo because it calls you peculiar. Some of us take that more literally than others. But what's he saying? Choose who you are with. Not every situation is the best. You have to make, as a Christian... You have to make decisions that say, you know what? I choose holiness, even though it's unpopular. I choose righteousness, even if it means I miss out, because what I have is greater. Does that make sense? It's not, oh, God's a spoil sport. God's got a bigger plan. Bigger than getting drunk every Saturday night. I've seen that. haven't been there. I've seen that. It ain't worth it. I've never met anyone who's been drunk on Saturday night, wake up on Sunday morning and go, wow, I feel fantastic. I've heard him say, it must have been good last night because I don't remember anything. What's the point of that? In reality, it usually wasn't. Number two. (laughs) I've only got three. (laughs) Not all relationships are beneficial. All right, just because someone's been your friend or in your circles for a long time, it doesn't mean it's a good thing or a God thing. Some people, they bring out the best in us. And some people don't. You need to consider those who don't. Sometimes you know, I see people who hang out with other people because they make them feel better. All right? So it's like, you know, this person's a real mess. This person just has all these things wrong in their life. So if I hang around them, I feel better because my life looks a little better and more together than what theirs does. So I feel better. But the reality is that by being around that person, and I'll qualify this in a minute, but by being around that person, you're actually just holding yourself down. Now, I'm not talking about someone who has a need and, you know, okay, I'm, you know I don't want to be around them because they've got a need or they're a little bit strange or something else. So I'm talking about someone who constantly makes life decisions that don't take them forward, that hold them back, and you know And you know and you know that they're never going to change. That they are making a choice every single day. It's like that person who, you know, take the captain yesterday maybe, um, you know, that they always spend more than they earn. And no matter how many conversations you have, they're always going to spend more than they earn. It's never going to change. And it doesn't matter what you do. You could give that person a million dollars, they would spend one million one hundred dollars you know what I mean? They're always going to do that. And these are, there's someone, in, you know, emotionally, they never do the things they need to actually overcome the situation, even though often I find they can tell me what they need to do. These people are not healthy. Yes, you've got to give people a chance, and you've got to work with them and encourage them, and, you know, we all fall and so on, but you know, what? You know who I'm talking about, don't you? You're talking about the people who will never, ever make that change. They are not people you need in your life. They're probably a little bit miserable. They can find other company. There's plenty of people that are miserable out there that will have you with them. All right? But you need to take these people out of your life because they will hold you down. They will drag you back. I gave them a T-shirt once that it's hard to fly with the eagles when you're surrounded by turkeys. (laughs) If you surround your life with turkeys, you'll never soar because you act like those around you. Be careful who is in your life, who is speaking to it. Number three, you become like those you're with, so choose who you're with. It's said that um, your income... Financial income is the average of the seven people who are closest to you. Do you hear that? Your seven closest friends, if you averaged out your incomes between you, yours would come to about the middle. It's interesting, isn't it? And so the wealth, you know, creative guys, one of the things they say to you is get new friends. If you want to, one of their strategies, I'm not condoning this, hear me, is if you want to increase your income, is hang out with people who make more, and your income will rise. Now, what I'm not saying that's a great thing to do is to make friends just because you want more money, the point I'm trying to make here is that you become like those around you, and you need to have people around you who will take you higher. And that's what the point of that thing is. When you hang around people who make more money, it challenges you and inspires you to go to a next, to the next level, to move up a level. And they're the sort of people you want in your life. Do you have people in your world who are dragging you down? Do you have people in your life who are stopping you becoming who God made you to be? Because if you have these people around you, you will find that you will get into bad habits and you'll find it hard to break those bad habits because they're all around you reinforcing those habits. And you will always say, I'm not as bad as them, so it's okay. What you need to do is surround yourself with people who will take you higher. People who will take you to the next level. So how do you do that? You do things like you rock up to Connect Group. Because you know what Connect Group does? It encourages you and it inspires you, it challenges you in your walk. It takes you to a new level and it helps you connect with God. You know, there's something else that you can do that's really radical? You can come to church. Because when you come to church, a good church, especially this one. (laughs) But when you're in a Bible-believing, Holy Spirit-filled church, it challenges you every week. It should lift you up and inspire you to go to a new level. It should challenge the bad habits in your life and help you to form good ones. It should form connection because all these things Connect groups, church, connect you to God. That's why we do it. That's why it's important that you're in your connect group every week or every fortnight, whenever it's on. That's why it's important that we're here in church. Because it builds a habit of going higher. Does that make sense? And and again, and I love those all listening on the tape right now who aren't here, but hey, I love it when people say, I can't come to church because I've got to do this. And I go, why do you got to do this? Because Satan knows if he can get you distracted, if he can get you disconnected from church, he can lower your level and stop you from being who God made you to be. The third thing you should do is go to the prayer meeting. People say to me, prayer meetings, but I don't know how to pray. You know what I've discovered? You know, I've, I've, watched, I've watched Ben play football. Can I use your free here, Ben, for a minute? And, you know, took Ben along to Oz kick. You know, Ben started kicking a football by us kicking in the backyard. And he would kick like Isaac does now. The ball could go anywhere, even back over his head. You know, and so taught him technique. Then Ben goes along to Kick and he learns how to kick and how to handball and how to play. And he's progressed through and now this year Ben's on a full-size oval. So he's learning how to run (laughs) longer distances because they've gone from a half oval to a full oval. And suddenly, you know, he's got to kick further. He's got to handball more. They start tackling this year. And what's happening is he's becoming a more rounded footballer. He's developing new skills. How? By every week. Playing a game, going to training a couple times a week. Life is like that, isn't it? You learn something piece by piece by piece. Christianity is the same. We rock up to church because it teaches us this, it grows us, it builds us and teaches how to relate. We get into a connect group because that helps us build strong relationships and helps us build accountability. And we rock up to the prayer meeting so we can learn how to pray and be inspired by others who do pray and what is to have an encounter with God. This stuff doesn't exist just because we have a program we should do things. This is the stuff that actually makes you who God made you to be. And whatever you have out there is not more important. I discovered early on from the guys back on the mission that I saw yesterday and a whole lot of other people that one of the most important things I can do is rock up to a church on a Sunday morning, that I can be in a small group during the week, that I can be in the prayer meeting, that I can be connecting with other Christians. Because the whole, if I'm not in there, then I go cold. If I'm not connected then there's only one alternative. I'm disconnected. There's no in-between. You're either a part of God's family or you're not. And he actually says, don't neglect meeting together. And he wasn't talking about once a month. They used to meet daily. We're pretty lenient. We only do it once a week, (laughs) twice a week, maybe three times. But if I could have church every day, I would. Maybe I should become Catholic. (laughs) Can't be a Catholic priest. (laughs) (laughs) But there is something about that everyday connection with Jesus. And it comes out of meeting together. It comes out of hanging together. It comes out of who have you got in your life? Now, understand I'm not saying be disconnected to the world out there. Our job is to go out and connect them with Jesus. But we can only do that as long as our strongest connection is with each other and with God. Because that's where we get our strength from. Our strength comes from God. And He put us together to encourage and build each other up. You want to be the best you you can be? Then you have to make that commitment to say, I'm in church every Sunday. I'm in a connect group because I want to be accountable. I'm in the prayer meeting because I want to actually pray for people and I want to learn how to pray and I want to make a difference. And you know what happens when you start to have that stance? You become like the people you're around. You become like those you hang with. If you don't like who you are, look at who you're hanging with. Are you hanging with Jesus? Are you hanging with God's people? More than you're hanging with the people out there. You've got to have that balance. Hear me right. We've got to be hanging with the people out there. Because they need Jesus. And it's our job to tell them. But we've got to be hanging more with Jesus and each other. So we are strong to be able to reach out. Who do you want to be like? That's the question. Who do you want to be like? Who is the best you you can be? It'll be determined by who you hang with. Let's pray. Lord, we want to be like Jesus, Father. We just want to be like Jesus. I pray, Father, show us even now. Lord, relationships we have in our lives or areas of our lives where where we're not right with you, where we're disconnected from you, where relationships are unhealthy or not in a good place. Father, I pray, show these to us and give us the courage to make the adjustments we need to make. I pray, Father, give us the hunger to connect with you to live our best life. Lord, I pray every person here your blessing to be all that you made each person here to be. Father, that you may be glorified, that you may be magnified. We want to bless you and honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.